Welcome to episode 108 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic today. How are you doing? Fantastic. Got sun shining, and it's not quite top down. It's it's been sunny, but it's been a little chilly. But I'm not I'm not complaining. It's been oh, I'm, done. I'm loving this. After the last last week and last weekend was just miserable rain. So I'm digging this. And actually, it's going to work out. This nice weather is even going to carry into through this weekend. And me and Dusty and Corey are going to do some training with uh, Craig Douglas and Shivworks. So I'm super excited about that and that the weather's going to be nice for that. So we're going to get to, you know, punch each other in the head and shoot each other with Sims point blank and all kinds of good stuff. That'll be fun. You know, I've often thought that there's no reason that we couldn't set up our, like my range, our range for TA to be able to do force on force stuff. But I just, I don't know how to get into that. But I don't even care if there's instructors there. I just want to get set up with Sims among our team so that you can experiment. You know what I mean? Like, I've been in classes where they use Sims, and they're amazing. And the downside, though, is when you're in a class of, like, a ton of people, you only get to run it so many times. But can you imagine if you had, like, your team and you had some complex rooms set up and you just tried stuff, just try it and get it on video and see what happens. Cause there's a beauty in that, that there would be no formal training on any, any side, you know, and you would be able to see things that you assume would work, but may not. And it would just be fun. You will learn so much about your training and your skill set within the first 10 seconds of of being able to shoot at somebody and also getting shot at and you can do this with airsoft you can go to walmart and buy an airsoft gun uh cheap and just yeah and just go to the range and you know set up some barricades and and stuff me and dusty did it uh the first time we did it um oh man it was years ago i'm Trying to think the situation that I had. So I only had one airsoft gun and I had like a laser trainer gun. So we're in my backyard. And I think so for my laser gun, we have this like this target, this laser gun target. Yeah. So we like we tied a stringer on the on the on the target and we hung it around our neck. So I had this big <laughs> We target on the chest. So I think, and I, I think we, I, I have like a, you know, a few big trees in my backyard. Um, so the goal was to like, we were each on different sides of this big tree. And the goal was to like poke out, shoot the laser target on the other guy's chest before getting shot with the airsoft gun. So, you know, pretty simple, you know, stupid little thing. But, dude, you, you, I mean, you got shot every time. Every time. And it just made you, it's made you really, and it hurts like a mother. It, it, 
And you usually got hit in your hands, which makes sense, right? Because if somebody's pointing a gun at you, you're looking at the gun, and so you get yeah. shot in the hand. Um, so it pretty quickly kind of made us realize the barricade work that we do, when you're like leaning out on the barricade and you're like bang, 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 you know, like you're shooting multiple times. Um, yeah, that's that's probably not probably not going to work. I mean, it's got to be either pop out and run and own it. Or you pop out and you fire and you get your head back as, as soon as possible. Um, we also... It also made me realize how much I need to be practicing one-handed shooting. And actually, um, we're at the range yesterday and we filmed some one-handed shooting things. Uh, because chances are if you get in a gunfight that lasts more than two rounds, you're probably going to get shot in the hand. So, yeah, but anyway... Uh, you know, force on force stuff. And I think I talked about this earlier this year. We did a force on force with a local instructor here. And um, we were never in a situation, like we were never in a scenario really where we were getting, where there's a gunfight. It was normally um, like you were kind of intervening usually. So the gunman, you know, you know, had their eyes on something else. So like, like you had some element of surprise or something like that. So, yeah, um, like force on force ECQC stuff is is definitely my focus this year. I've, I've been doing flat range stuff for, for years now, and I'm like, it's time to start putting, you know, trying to put the skill set and learn how to use it in a force on force situation. Which I don't think flat range stuff is is useless because, um, in the force on force classes I've done, it has made it extremely clear that I've been putting the work in on flat range. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, like I don't have to like I don't have to think about shooting and finding my sights and and holster work and reloads. Like all that stuff is just muscle memory now. Um so now it's about decision making, right? Like that's the that's the next point with like you know with force on force stuff. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I I don't always fully subscribe to. So my i guess where i'm going with that is the weird reality that we have in the gun industry is that criminals are masters of violence and sometimes that's true but that regular citizens are not necessarily capable of that same level of violence in return when in fact there's many criminals who are not master skilled at violence they just have the mindset to be able to do bad things to people and there may be an argument that there's a difference between some citizens who have that and some who don't but generally speaking humans are are very capable of doing some very violent things and that's true of every single one of us and so anything you can do to build the fundamentals with whatever weapons platform you're training with i don't think is a waste of time and i can tell you that when I show up to certain police departments and I see how, how the fundamentals are playing into the shooting, I can tell you that some of these guys are not going to respond well at all, period, yep. in a violent situation because they're going to fumble with gear. They're not going to unholster the gun. It's not just departments. It's everybody. But it's especially true of some people who are in a line of work that is more susceptible to violence. and. 
it's just one of those things where I feel like we have this weird, I don't know. It goes back to that whole argument and you get comments like this. You do stuff on the flat range and people are like, that's not realistic. You're not getting shot at, or you don't have the background to be talking about that, or you have no experience doing this thing. And it's, it's just this weird reality that we have in the, uh, the gun world that we're trying to navigate. Yeah. And that's one of the, it's one of the big things I hear, you know, I call them trolls, but really I don't think they're trolling. I just don't think they're at, they're, they're ignorant. I don't think they're educated. And so there's nothing more dangerous than a, other than a confident idiot. And, and so they'll say, yeah, like they'll say things like, yeah, like, you know, let's see you do that getting shot back at. No, no, you're absolutely right. But you can't run until you know how to walk. And so, you know, spend time learning how to crawl, spend time learning how to walk and how to jog and then run it. Like, and, and then also, let's just like analyze how, how ridiculous that statement is. Like, what it, Greg, you, you're coming right. out here at some point <laughs> in your future. You want to just go down range while I shoot at you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just shoot at you. Like, like you just said, like you're going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> like you may not survive that first encounter. <laughs> so why, why are we even making the statement? Yeah. Oh, now try to do that when the targets are shooting. Like, how would you even set that up? Right. Because if you set it up so I survive, then it defeats the purpose of even making the statement. And if you set it up so I die, well, then I get killed in the streets, I guess. You know, then, ah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and that's my most frustrating. That, that, to me, that is the ultimate frustrating, stupid comment. Because, yeah, that, what do you want me to do, bro? It, it, besides doing like sim stuff which i agree we need to do but you can't one you can't do you know sims force and force all the time like you're going to do flat range stuff. too um but yeah that's the other thing you know, i'm people, trying to think people you know i think it's important to realize is the fact that when you buy a firearm you have a choice to make you have to decide. This is not an option. You have to decide for yourself. I want to get as well-trained as possible. So that sets you on a journey. How are you going to get trained? How are you going to consume information? Where are you getting your information from? And yeah, there's some bad sources out there. There's some bad things we all do. There's, there's bad habits we have. We got to break them, analyze them, work through it. The other thing about firearms is the theory of fighting with guns is constantly changing. This isn't something that we've had the tech for the last 2000 years. And we understand in, you know, what it's going to look like in 200 years, like what's going to happen when there's like heat seeking laser beams and stuff. Like, what are you going to do? Like it, it's such a rapidly changing technology. Like it is, and it isn't still bullet still expands, causes traumatic injuries, blood loss, organ failure, whatever. When but I don't know that we're any of us are masters of this. You know what I mean? And when you decide you want to get trained, I would rather see somebody putting in thousands of reps and people might say, Oh, why are you doing that? Or why would you dry fire? Why would you, you know, why would you do one R ones or six R sixes or build drill? Like I would rather see people poking holes in paper 10,000 times or steel, of course, than you know, and you be able to argue that's not necessarily realistic, but that dude, when he shows up to a class teaching him realistic stuff, knows his gun so well yeah. that there's no safety concerns. 
that if there's a malfunction, they can clear it, that they can spend time focusing on the mindset and exploring how to deal with situations rather than say, Oh, I don't even have my fundamentals. Yeah. So I, I don't well, that's fully the, subscribe to. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's in, in, in the force and force that I've done, you know, the SIM guns aren't the most reliable things. They'll jam pretty easy. Like if your finger rubs on the slide at all, it's not hard to get the, the slide to slow down and stop. So it'll jam or something like that. Um, and I remember that happened to me in, in, in one of the scenarios. And I've worked on clear malfunctions so much that I didn't even think about it. It was, you know, tap rack. And um, now, unfortunately, that doesn't always work on a sim gun either, just because how they work is the tap rack doesn't always fix things. Um, but in a real situation, it, it, it became clear that the years of working on fundamentals and the years of flat rate and stuff I've done, um, are going to help tremendously with the basic skill set of what it's going to take. Now it's time to start working on on decision making, on the scenario, and then let the skill set do what it needs to do. And so, yeah. So, and then the other reason that we're going to this is um, we are all going to be running our <clears throat> our. Uh, next new product alias system we're gonna be running alias stuff this weekend and i think it's really going to it's it's good it's going to get tested more than ever oh with this stuff just full speed um you know ground fighting car like inside of cars fighting and stuff like that and, and trying to get your yeah so <clears throat> i'm looking forward to to really putting this product to the test too you know we've been so using is it. that is that the main reason you guys are going to this course too is just it's a great opportunity to do some r d and product testing in the real yeah, world i mean it's a big reason it's i mean maybe it, like half the reason is, is for that and half the reason is just to train we've been and also we work with craig douglas um and shivworks sells neomags and rask and stuff so he's a partner as well uh, so there's a lot of reasons why we're going, but the most excited reason is so we can really put our product to the test. We've been using the alias going on five months now, uh, four months. We've been using it daily and using it on the range when we go. We've, d we've done a couple other, uh, you know, flat range classes and competitions and stuff using it, but this will be the first time where we'll, it'll see force on force cool so are you going to keep it a secret at the class or are you kind of gonna allow people to see what you're working with um not really gonna announce it to everybody we are meeting with craig for lunch tomorrow we're, i'm gonna try to get him get him set up so he's running it um but i'm not really gonna announce to everybody or you know or really show it off it's it's it stays pretty concealed, so it's not it's not too hard to keep on the DL. So what's new with you guys? What's going on over there? Well, we are cranking through content, um, just exploring different ways to reach people. Like always, you know, getting, been getting a lot of good feedback from the content that we are shooting. So 
that's a cool thing. We have our YouTube channel on our hit list. So that's something that is main priority. And it's a little bit depressing because, you know, we've shot a lot of content and we have content ready to go, but I'm, I'm not releasing it yet. So there's going to be like a strategic release of all of these different videos. So yeah, it's uh it's a lot. There's, there's a lot of planning and, and, you know, we had a leadership team meeting last week, which is pretty cool. Um, we really dove into the weeds on some of this stuff. And a lot of what we're looking at is things like job descriptions and who's doing what, uh, what I'm finding is I'm catching myself again, doing more and more administrative stuff, data entry. And I might've talked about this on the podcast, but looking at refining kind of what I do and exactly what my role is so that I can focus on the stuff that ultimately generates revenue. Um, that's my position, whether that's marketing or leading the sales team, the stuff that I am doing has to be resulting in company growth. And if it's not forward thinking or vision, you know, I, I, I should be if I can't offload it right now, I should be thinking about and planning with the team who is the person that's going to be offloading that. And like I said, a lot of that's invoicing and paperwork and you know, there's aspects of the sales process that I'm still handling. And, you know, I just, I'm not the one to be handling that. Um, some other things with uh, some of our, uh, even partners, customer service, things like that. You know, I'll be on the range two to three days a week now, and I don't have service out there. So obviously that creates the first major issue is if a partner or somebody needs to get a hold of me, I'm not going to be able to be reached. It's just not possible. So now figuring out, okay, so with ramping up the content this much and being on the range this much, how are we going to structure our processes so that you know, so it's not falling through the cracks. There's not things that are just dropping off on the wayside and, and causing a problem. Um, so that's kind of what I'm, you know, navigating through now is just so much of the forecasting and vision and where I think this company's headed. And I, I know for a fact, we talked about that on the last podcast, but still kind of in that same routine, digging through all of this stuff and trying to I don't know, just trying to set the company up in the best way to experience a lot of growth. And then as we experience more and more growth, handling that properly. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've been really working through as we've been hiring more is better forecasting and tracking our inventory. Mm. And I, I can talk about this a little bit. I know we've talked about inventory and stuff, but it's, it's becoming something that I have to, and, and really my business partner, Ethan, has to pay more attention to because that's his, his field is over in the production side. Um, but as a team, we have to pay more attention to our inventory because as anyone who owns a business knows, if you have inventory on hand, it ties up cash. And if all your cash is tied up in inventory, if you're not moving inventory quick enough or you have too much or too little, it can all cause problems. So one of the things we're analyzing especially as we hire more is what is the proper level of inventory 
And one of our desires is to get our inventory levels lower, but have processes in place to produce much quicker. Mm -hmm. And we already are implementing that. And we have a lot of that in place. And for that reason, we don't have to have as much stuff on hand to keep our lead times down to virtually nothing. So talk about that. What, what kind of things have you guys started putting in place that's working? So some of that is obviously that big table we have, just being able to produce quantities much more efficiently. So now that creates one problem though, and kind of what caused this whole situation, not situation, but this conversation that we're in is, okay, now I've got this massive table that can produce two to three times the amount of products. So the temptation is to run massive, massive runs of products. Well, again, now you're tying up cash. You know, it's one thing to have raw materials on hand, but once you start pouring labor into it, you know, and all the other hardware and all the other stuff we're building to make these runs, it just, it adds up very quickly. But the biggest thing that I think there's two bottlenecks that we're going to have in TA, one of them shipping because the area that we are shipping is not getting any bigger. It's just, it's already packed. Now, some of that will help if we, um, as we create more of these automated systems, uh, but the other one's paint and our paint process is just not as efficient as I'd like. Um, I honestly think at some point we'll have conveyors and things like that, leading stuff into paint in like an S shape going through paint and you'll be able to fill the assembly, essentially fill the paint room with whatever's white, but it may not be 500 of the same product. Um, it may be kind of a mix based on data. Whereas right now we kind of produce a run of mini ADAP targets. Then we'll produce a run of C zone targets. Then we'll produce a run of whatever, you know, whatever the data is telling us we're going to sell. And we've tried to hold as much inventory as we can to hold us over for as long as possible. And, and I'm just kind of rethinking all of that process as we go forward. Yeah. Um, but those are the two, the, you know, nothing, none of this is major, but what it is, is just, again, like a pre like two or three podcasts ago, I said, I want to start thinking of TA as the bigger business, you know, where it's going to be in seven to 10 years. And so now I'm trying to say, okay, if I want to get to where I want to see this company in you know, five, seven, 10 years, we have to start making some decisions about some of the stuff we do now. And, and that's what's kind of sparking all of this, just the desire to continue to scale um, and do it well, you know, do, do things really well. That's the goal is have a, a substantial business with a lot of growth, but some, you know, a business that doesn't lose sight of the core values, the mission, and ultimately what made us start on the journey in the first place. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And that's, that's stuff I've been challenging our team with just as we grow and as we add, add more products and things become more complex, um, these things are going to be, are going to become more of an issue. And so trying to put things in place now when things aren't complex and crazy just seems like the right decision and it can seem like a lot of work right now but i see trying to you know, trying to start to do these things down the road is going to be even more work and even more of a headache and and i do feel like right now i'm um it's kind of pulling teeth to try to get some of these things 
going and get them being used. It, you know, there's been a couple of things that we've started using, but then things get things get phased out. So, um, or, or they just they, they stop getting used. So, you know, trying to be consistent with with these things, uh, you know, matters a lot too. Yeah, for sure, and that's where, you know, as as the company has been growing. I keep moving more and more into a position sort of like a CEO where there's like oversight and, you know, seeing what's happening, also making decisions, trying to forecast. So because I've been more and more, you know, really leading the push for all of this, I'm also the accountability that it continues to happen. And I think that's a key a key point as well, because what I found working on different teams over the years and working for different companies, there's usually only a couple people who can chart a course, create a plan, put in place the pieces for the plan, and then hold accountable the people who need to execute the plan. And if you don't have that, yeah, it's not going to happen. It just won't. You'll you'll say, you know, for example, you want your team to. I don't know, do some task or implement some new system. You can't just trust and wipe your hands and walk away. Like you also can't hound and, and babysit and, you know, be hovering over their shoulder. So there's like a balance there where we can't be. Yeah. And and that's right. And that's what I'm like. I could almost have a full-time person just working on systems and getting systems going, making sure they, Keep going, checking in the systems, make sure that they're being done accurately. Um, yeah, man, it's just, it, 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 it's a lot. And we're just trying to figure out how to do it. Um, I need to, and as of right now, that, that person is me. Um, I need to be trying to figure out how to, to be the one that's getting these systems going and, and, and checking in on them and stuff. And that's just tough. Cause one, I don't really want to, <laughs> and two, I don't, I don't, I don't really have the time for it, but I need to make the time for it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, this is all super important stuff. And if somebody's not, if somebody's not captaining the ship, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to sit and spin or go wherever the tide takes it. And, I just can't stress that enough or can't say that enough that that's just been what's been on my mind so much lately is, you know, I don't, there's, you know, one of the things I've struggled with is the fact that I don't feel like I'm the right one often. So like an example is just take the content. For example, I don't like being on camera. I don't like the fact that I'm talking on camera all the time. I don't like the fact that I have to be the one that showcases shooting but currently with where we're at it's you know my position where i'm sitting makes the most sense i look at it as like a necessary evil kind of thing same thing with certain aspects of you know what we're doing or the conversations or the meetings or vision casting or whatever i don't think that i'm the best at that sometimes but somebody on the team has to own it and and that's that's just what it comes down to. It's like, even if you don't think that you're the right one, if you're the one, you're the one, you know what I mean? 
Like, like, yeah, maybe someday you'll end up hiring somebody that can lead that aspect of your business. I mean, there's, you look at corporate companies and some of the executive positions are overseeing very specific aspects of a business, whether that's systems and processes, financials, all of that stuff, you know, operations. So it just depends on the size of the company and everything, but I don't know. I just think it's, it's easy to make excuses and say, I'm not the right one. I can't talk on camera. I can't lead a team. I can't, I don't do good at meetings. I'm not organized. All of that stuff you can change, you know? Yeah. In fact, I was horribly unorganized, could not talk on camera, wasn't good at leading meetings, wasn't good at structuring or organizing stuff um, at all. And those are just skills that you can learn if you just well, make a decision to learn them. Uh, yeah, for sure. And and I can think of a few companies that I know of that have that have brought people on board that are, you know, good shooters and captivating on on beat and stuff. You know, just like there were other Instagram account people and companies have hired those people and brought them on to be more the face and be uh just because they saw it wasn't necessarily their strength or just they didn't necessarily have the time. And like you know, you said for for us, just to the size we're at, you know, you need to be that guy. I need to be that guy. So me putting time in on the range to to be a you know to be a competent shooter and to learn how to be on camera and do interviews and stuff like that. Um, that's those are all skill sets that that I know are important that and that I need to do because there's no one else that's going to do that here. Uh, and I feel a responsibility as as the owner and as the um, as one of the faces of of the company that that I need to. I need to be as competent as possible, and I'm always learning. I've, I've got I've got way better than it's cringe. It's so cringeworthy going back and watching videos from it, you know five six years ago, but uh, you know, but even two years ago, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly getting better. And but the only way you get better is by is by flexing that muscle and learning how to use it. And yeah, for sure, dude. I I look at a great example. Great example here is if you hop back on just look at the first couple like eventually i'm going to pull them down because they're just not professional it's just so bad it's so bad i hate it but if you go to ta's youtube just type in ta targets on youtube look at the first videos that we put out just go all the way back to like 2015 and just watch one or two of them and you're going to be like holy cow hop on keystone carry go just type in keystone carry on youtube go to like my first videos. And again, this is back now. The YouTube game on Keystone carry was a lot newer, like a lot more recent, I should say. We'll just go back there and watch a couple. Like, I'm not trying to tell you guys to do this, to like get on those pages. I don't really care. Subscribe or don't, it doesn't matter, but look at, you know, one from two years ago and then go to one today and just look at the difference and just understand that, I hated being on camera. I didn't talk well in front of cameras. It wasn't a skill set that I had because I never had to do it. Like you're not going to have these skills if you haven't ever done the thing that you're trying to have the skill to do. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, yeah, you could have some natural talents, but you're still going to see progression. So whether that's leading a team, 
designing a product, marketing a product, creating content. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Doing the yeah. thing is how you get the skill to do the thing better. Yeah. And, you know, learn from others and, uh, you know, continually watch. I, I feel like most of, of what I've learned is from watching videos of myself and critiquing it. And, um, you know, this is actually like a whole other podcast we get into is just how to be better at, um, uh, being on video and speaking and being captivating and stuff, and let's do that. I'm I'm making a note. Let's okay. let's do a let's do that sometime. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be a fun podcast. You and I should shoot a video sometime too. That would be a funny video. We we could have fun with that. <laughs> so we've had a couple. Uh, Oh, excuse me. Hey, yawn. Greg's over there falling asleep because I bored him. To death. <clears throat> yeah, you're so boring. <laughs> Wish you more captivating. Um. So yesterday was a little frustrating, though. So me and Dusty were at the range and uh, got back at like three o'clock or so, maybe two o'clock, and found out that we were having some issues with our website and stuff being in stock. Uh, because I got back to the shop and I checked ship station and I'm like, holy cow, where are the orders today? It was insanely low. Found out that there were some issues with with stock <clears throat> and then um, got that fixed. And then there were some issues with the website caching and updating. And and so it ended up resulting in yesterday being the lowest day of sales in probably two years. And Wow, that's fun. It's brutal. <laughs> brutal um but it did it did drive some other conversation that that that, that we've seen a dip in sales ever since we released the scout sling and because it's been what two maybe three weeks since we released it and we've seen this dip and it's been in the back of my mind i'm like this this happened when we launched a sling and we shouldn't see an overall, like when you release a product, you should be seeing an uptick, but we've seen a dip in, in, um, in overall like gross sales, but then specifically with century strap and the sling being down. And it just drove the conversation of why is that happening? You know, you know, first question is looking at stats is, is that's true. And two, what is making that happen? So it made us, you know, made us go into the website and really try to look at it with fresh eyes. And um, and kind of what we came up with is that we think that it's too confusing. We think people are being confused by, you know, how to add stuff to the website. And and really, the the challenge is like ninety percent of our sales are on mobile. Are on people's phones. That's where, oh yeah, pe- for sure. That's where people order stuff from. So sitting here on my on my desktop with my big big HD screen on it is not. It, it, it looks one way, but you have to you have to pull up on mobile. So the way that we set up the Century Strap and Sling section of the website 
and it still might be like this. I, uh, Alex, our web guy, I, I think is working on it now, so I don't know where it's at <clears throat> and being updated. But the way it's set up is because this, the sentry strap and the sling and the pad, it's a system. It, it can be all one, all one thing. We wanted to be able to make it as streamlined as possible that here are these three components and you can and you can bundle them like we bundle pricing if you order two pieces you get a, a price a lower price you order all three it's it's another lower price we're trying to bundle things make it make it a system but with how we have to just with some of the limitations of of how we can build this page you had to click a add box which then opened up drop downs then you could select your color or size or whatever. Um, for for you had to do that for each of the three items. If you wanted center strap, you click add, and then you pick the drop down, and then you go to sling, click add, go to your drop downs. Then you had to go down to the bottom of the web page and hit add to cart. Um, and then if you wanted another one, you had to go back into the website and do the same thing again. So the good part of it was it was all on one page. To me, it was pretty clear that this is a system and, and, and here's, and it explained the bundling and, and all that stuff. But it, at the same time, the downside was it was a lot of stuff on one page. And I think clicking an ad box and, it, and people were probably thinking, why isn't this adding to the website? When I click this, they didn't realize that you had to go to the bottom of the website to hit add to cart. So anyway, it drove the conversation with our web designer to um, to basically redesign how the sentry strap and the sling are going to work on the website and stuff. And I think it's going to be it's going to be a good change in the fact it's going to be it's going to be more clear on how to order each of the each of the components. But the but the the part we're giving up is kind of the flow of it. You know, like you're going to have to go into each each component separately. It's not going to be all on one page. So I don't know. We're going to see how it goes, but it's just. Oh, it's, you can always change it back. Like that's the thing is it's like, uh, yeah, it sucks if it causes a dip or whatever, but you can always change it and tweak it. You know, that's right. the beautiful thing about this is as long as you're analyzing this, you could tweak it. Yeah, but it really just. It, it, I mean, the website is the most important part of our companies. Like, if you don't have a one, if you don't have a website, you don't have a you don't have sales. Two, if you don't have a clear website, easy to you and easy to use website, you're going to have less sales. And I mean, we're we are constantly tweaking and changing things on our website, both from customer feedback and um, and what we think is going to is going to improve things and. So, uh, and I think it's also important to get outside eyes looking on the website because it makes complete sense to us because we designed it and we own it. But when you give it to somebody who, you know, who is, who is not so intimate with, with everything they're going to be, it, that's where you really start to find, uh, you know, where some of the issues are. So. Um, yeah, so that's just something that we we kind of ran into yesterday, and, and we're, we're hoping to get it 
get this fixed because there's no reason to not, you know, just be continually trying to improve it. For sure. That's why we went through a major overhaul and we're about to go through another major one, which I knew was coming. I, it just, uh, stuff comes so fast. It's like, you don't have a second to breathe. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, by the way, we're, we're hitting this thing now, but there's going to be some, I don't, you know, it sounds substantial when I say it, but I bet in theory, not in theory, but in application, it won't be that drastic when you land on our site. But there's a lot of stuff that we're working on and our site needed to change and needs to change in order for some of these things that we're working on to make sense. And that's all I'll say for now, but that's something we're also working through as well. But I, I will say like when we went to our new website and our new layout and how we structured the products, although it's kind of like what you're saying, there's a lot of stuff on a product page. Our average cart value went up substantially going. So like it confirmed our theory. And, and I think it's going to vary from product to product. Like it, some of it depends on your customers and what they're buying. But, you know. We did notice uh, a lot of uh, an uptick in our cart value the moment we cleaned up our website and um, gave all the options in one spot. So I'm sure you guys will nail it and figure out something that'll uh, clean it up for you. Well, and, and the struggle is you know, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to, somebody's always going to be confused. There's quite a variance of levels of, intelligence out there so you can only like you want to make things as simple as possible but there's but there's just this is our products there are some like there's there's some depth to it and, and there's some thought that needs to go into it and just a little bit of research and we try to make that as simple as possible we have videos on the product page that are short videos that explain things but again you're asking a lot of somebody to click on something and watch a minute or two video to learn about the product. Um, but it's just, yeah. You, you, so we even try to make that easy. Like we, we try to make it easy to reach us to ask questions and. Uh, it's never yeah, ending, it's just, man. It, yeah. It's never, never ending. Never. <laughs> well, speaking of that, you know, I need to get back at it. So hopefully this conversation helped some of you people out there in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how, but hopefully it did. If nothing else, it gave them something to listen to for, for a little while instead of silence. Sometimes silence is good, though. <laughs> Sometimes it's desirable. I need Sometimes to silence is better than listening to us, That's for sure. We could do a full hour of silence. <laughs> Just a silent podcast. <laughs> but we have to make perfect eye contact and cameras the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Just Which is really funny because, like, to do eye contact and cameras, like, I can't tell that I'm making eye contact. Right. I have to look at the Very little. Strange. Someday they'll have screens. I guarantee this. Okay, I'm, I'm predicting the future here. Okay, you know how we just have like we have cameras and they're always at the top of the screen or they're a webcam or something. I bet you they'll have tech 
that you can look at the screen and you're looking at the, the person. Like that'd be cool. Like right now I'm looking at your eyes. Yeah. And I'm looking at your eyes, but no, if I look at the camera, does it look different than if I Yes. Look? Yes. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm telling you, eventually they're gonna have this nailed down where like you could have your face anywhere on the screen. And no matter where I look, we're making eye contact. Yeah. I bet you it's coming. That sounds creepy. And it'll be 16K footage. Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please, if you could, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. It helps us out drastically. Uh, and we would really appreciate it. And if you want to find out more about my company, you can go to our website, theneomag.com. Jared, your website? Uh, uh, oh my gosh. TATargets.com. Uh, really? <laughs> there it is. You did it. <laughs> TATargets.com. Check it out. Hop on there. Check out the photography, the target systems. Get out. Get trained. Yeah. There you go. I there just go. did it. I, so, anyway, guys, uh, check us out. You know, okay, shameless plug for both of us. Seriously, we're. We're doing this for free, and we just want to help people, and we want to have a way to connect with you guys. We're not going to beg people to buy our products, but if it's something you've been thinking about, whether that's something from Greg's side or something from our side, it is, it's the way that you can support us. It's the way that we can make these things happen. It literally is. Like, There's just nothing else. It's not like we have paid advertisers, things like that. So if you're supporting us by grabbing a product, you're supporting all of the other ways you can reach out and entertain you guys information so we would appreciate it it's not a requirement you can be in the club without buying stuff but we would appreciate it if you consider it. definitely all right yeah. bud you have a good week i'll talk to you yeah. soon